It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Carve your name on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others and to the stories they share about you. Shannon Adler. Thanks for tuning into the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. This podcast can be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else you, you listen to your podcasts. My guest today is Rob Cook. Rob is a CPA and CFP fiduciary financial service advisor who looks and plans beyond stocks and bonds and traditional financial planning with his clients. Rob believes that when thinking and talking about wealth, the conversation shouldn't be focused on just money, but instead on the purpose for our money and the legacies we're creating today for families. Rob, welcome to episode 53 of the Time with Fred podcast. Well, thank you, Fred. I appreciate the invite. I really do. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Rob, you believe that the purpose of any success or wealth is to create meaningful, lasting legacies that bless families for generations to come. And to you, legacies aren't just piles of money, because uh, at, at the end of our lives, living a life worth living is what's truly important. Mm -hmm. uh, a life of impact, lessons, and memories is what we create today, uh, but they also need to outlive us for tomorrow. Um, why is that important to you, Rob? Oh, there's a host of things honestly, that I could say about why that's important to me. Um, I think the easiest way to describe why living a life worth living and thinking in terms of legacy when it comes to wealth and money and all those other things in life um, is to tell the story of my grandfather. Um, so in my home, I grew up very, I was fortunate enough to grow up pretty close to a lot of my family members. Um, my grandfather uh, was an entrepreneur. He and my grandma worked very, very hard and they built a family business and it was a, a successful family business. It wasn't anything crazy. It's not like he was a Jeff Bezos or a Warren Buffett or anything like that. But in our little world, in our little circle, he, he was the man um, and he created um, a life worth living for our family. Um, for example, my grandpa worked very, very hard and built this business and sacrificed much. But one of the things he did very early on was that he um, took some money, put it aside a little bit over time, and he went and bought a cabin for our family. Nothing crazy, you know, just a two, three bedroom little cabin. But as a kid, that cabin meant so much more to me than any Christmas gift or any thing that grandpa could have ever gotten us. And that wasn't because the cabin itself was wonderful, but it was because of the memories that were made there. Whether it was the memory of us as a kid, grandpa saying he'd give us all five bucks if we'd shovel the snow off the deck one day and we shovel it all off and we wake up the next morning and there's six feet of snow on it, <laughs> you know, and thinking, you know, five bucks, you know, think of so much money at like eight years old, right? Or memories of my cousins and I sledding down the, the roof of the cabin into the snow or memories of the little uh, little forts that my uncles would build for us during the springtime and we'd come back in the wintertime and see if they were still uh, still standing after the snows had come. Or memories of watching college football over the New Year's. Everyone 
gathered around this little TV in the corner and cheering on our favorite teams. Um, the cabin was a place where we all came together and we all really had those times together that were the most important and most impactful for me as a kid. Right. Um, now we were fortunate enough to be able to even have a cabin. There's a lot of families that don't have that, mm -hmm. but the purpose of the cabin wasn't the cabin itself. The purpose of it was the byproduct of us gathering together, having a central location where we could all be together. And it was so impactful that when my grandfather sold the cabin, when I was probably 12, 13 years old, all of us grandkids, and there's 36 of us on this one side, we all got together, we came to grandpa and we said, grandpa, you have to build us another cabin. There's no way we cannot have a cabin yeah. in this family. And we literally had this, this little piece of paper that he wrote and said to my grandchildren, I promise that one day I will rebuild, I will build you another cabin. And he signed it. And then we all signed our names around it as well, like a little contract. Yeah. And then about eight or so years later, he made good on that promise and rebuilt a rebuilt the he built another little cabin for us, for us all. And he, he framed that and hung that up on the wall in the new cabin, right? Because to us, it symbolized what was the purpose of the cabin? You know, what was the purpose of actually everything that we do? So as a kid, I was exposed to these types of ideas from a very, very young age. This was just one example. And I could probably give you three or four others where lessons from my grandfather's, lessons from my dad and my mom, lessons from other people who were impactful in my life showed me that, you know, money is a very powerful tool for good or bad. But the purpose of it is it is a tool and don't lose sight of that. And I feel like so often in our world, we get so caught up in the pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of these finances and the pursuit of making sure that I have enough, quote unquote, whatever that is for you, that we forget the big purpose of it. We forget what is the purpose of the money. The purpose of the money is to create experiences, to create, um, places and opportunities for life to really actually be lived. Um, I, I was actually just reading recently and money master the game by Tony Robbins. And he, he speaks of a very similar principle, you know, at the end of the day, your money and those things don't mean anything because they're just going to be gone. But life is lived and by extension, as we learn to use them properly and be good stewards of them. So that is why I care so much about this idea of legacy. Because as I think about those other people and the impact they have in my life, it's not the money. The money was just a tool. And so yeah. I, in turn, try to help p people that I speak with or I, I advise yeah. think in that way as well, yeah. instead of just what's the best return. That is a very powerful uh, perspective, Rob. And um, there is a lot to be said about a financial consultant, wealth management expert like yourself, who you work, you speak to people with, with a lot of money, right? And to have that perspective that money is not everything, uh, that goes contrary to everything we've seen and heard about money, right? Money makes the world go around. And I'll, I'll ask you to respond to that statement here in a little bit. But you you, you shared this uh, powerful story about the memories that um, your, your, your grandfather created um, for, for you by building that cabin. And I I think this story adds to the countless number numbers of stories that I've heard about the real importance of life, which is really making memories, right? And, and building relationships. And I recently lost a, a close family member uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're actually at the funeral and just so sorry. listening. Thank you. Listening to 
people share their their their, their stories about who who this this family member was to them and the impact that he, he made on their lives. And it, it underscored for me, Rob, the fact that truly relationships and the impact that that they make on, on, on the lives of people is, is the true legacy. Not one time did anyone talk about the amount of money he made or, or, or the possessions he had or, yeah. or or the assets on his balance sheet or his financial statement. Everything that was shared at his funeral um, was, was about memories, which I think is, is really powerful. And, and I couldn't agree with you more um, about the priorities, right? How do we go about, Rob, in your perspective or in your experience working with, um, you know, or, or ma managing the, the funds um, or, or, or the wealth of, of other people about true priorities, right? What have you seen? What are some of the experiences you've seen with people with a lot of money yet not having a lot of fulfillment in, in life? The best way to probably share this is to share third-party experiences. Absolutely. Because um, I'll admit, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of really, really good examples growing up. So when I saw contrary examples in either other people or um, in even colleagues sometimes, I thought, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's not what I've seen. Why are you doing that, right? Um, so uh, a great example, uh, I started off my career in public accounting. Uh, I worked at one of the four largest accounting firms in the world, Ernst & Young. It's a great firm. There's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people there. But anyone who's been in public accounting knows that that the public accounting profession has a really bad rap, right? There's a, it's not unusual to work 80-hour weeks in public accounting, especially during busy seasons. I, I did it multiple times. But I would look around and I'd look at who were the very wealthy partners at my firm, right? Some of the senior leaders. And I'd look at them and i go, do I want that life that they have? They worked 80 hours a week, just like I was. And I was the staff. I'm okay working hard. I, I mean, by all means, if you're going to be successful in any area of life, you have to learn to work hard and learn to enjoy the work. That's okay. That's a good thing. But eventually you need to find, I mean, the purpose of working hard is to get to a point where you have a little bit more balance. You have a right. little bit more freedom. Yes. You have a little bit more control over your destiny, right? And I looked at a lot of these guys and I thought, you don't have any of those things. So why are you doing this? Yeah, some of you were making probably a couple million dollars a year mm. as a partner at the one of the largest accounting firms in the world. But is it even worth it? Do you even get to use it or enjoy it? Or are you a slave to your the firm, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and although I loved many of these people, I looked at the choices they're making. And I thought, there's no way mm. I do that. Right. Um, especially when I compared it to people like my grandfather or many other family friends who had worked hard, who had built something and then were actually able to use it to bless other people and actually enjoy their life. And I thought, no, <laughs> I don't want what they've got. I want what these other people have. Um, so I guess there's no one particular thing, one particular person. I mean, I've seen plenty of examples kind of at a distance of people who um, don't have the balance, who don't um, seem to have pri their priorities right. But I can't say that there's you know one particular person who really is just kind of like that codification for me. It's just a, it was a trend that I noticed over time yeah. as I just paid attention yeah. to more people.
did that <laughs> shape your mind or your perspective about about what success truly is? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. In my mind's eye, no success will ever compensate for failure in those most important areas of life, Ooh. whether that's at home, family members, relationships, your health, your faith does not matter. In my opinion, at the end of the day, those things, the money, the the fame, whatever, it's not going to be around when we all leave this world. To your point, like you, you mentioned your family member, did they mention ever his balance sheet? No, because it doesn't matter. So as I looked around, I thought, no, there, there's, there is a better way and success does not mean that, right? Uh, there's plenty of miserable people out there who have a lot of money and a lot of very, very happy people who have very little money. So yes, let's be good stewards of our money. Let's use it well. Let's make as much of it as we can by providing as much value as possible to the world. Of course. But at the end of the day, don't lose sight of the fact yeah. that that's not yeah. a measure of your success. Yeah. That, that, that's so true, uh, Rob. So how do we temper this urge or this drive, right, to, to, to succeed? I mean, it happens. I, I, I work in the, in the corporate sector and, and there's this competition to, to be relevant. You know, we're, we're putting in all the hours. We're, you know, we're trying to make yeah. an impact as, as leaders because we want that recognition from either the boss or the boss's boss. We want that promotion. We want that extra bonus. So this hunger and drive, right, yeah. uh, to, be, to, to be relevant. But then we do that often at the expense of, you know, it's, it's a family because we're spending all the time chasing after this stuff. And, and, and I know people who chase, chase, and they come back home and, and there is no home. You know, family is mm -hmm. totally gone, disintegrated, marriage is gone, and or, or, or health is gone, and now they have they have to spend the money that they've worked so hard for uh, to to treat themselves, right? How do we yeah. temper this ever increasing desire um, or pressure to be to be relevant or or, or to make more in, in the world? That's a great question. I think there's a host of different things that you could do. Honestly, the very first thing that came into my mind when you asked that question is figure out exactly what your priorities are. I think most people have a general idea of what's actually important to them, right? If you ask them, you, you put their back up against the wall, okay, what's actually important to you? Uh, they'd say those things, right? But do they really mean it? Yeah. What's actually yeah. the most important thing in your life? Or what's actually the thing that means the most to you? Yeah. Um, I think there's a host of different ways in which you can kind of figure that out. Um, one way is to actually, I've actually recommended this to many different people, is to write your own personal obituary. At the end of your life, imagine what would you want people to say? What were the mm -hmm. things that you would want them to actually talk about? Because mm -hmm. that will actually reflect what you find most mm -hmm. valuable at the end of your life. If, if you're writing your obituary and you're saying, this man was a billionaire and he did gave so much money away to philanthropy. Okay, well then that maybe that is really what's most important to you. And that's okay. That is your choice, right? Everyone has their freedom to choose. But I think the vast majority of us would probably have some version of family, faith, relationships, and health in those top four up there, right? So the first step is to get clarity on what actually is a priority for you. And then I think the second step when we're talking just in terms of our day-to-day -day lives, I think the second step is to look and see where you're actually applying your time. Do a time audit of yourself. If that means carry a notepad around or look at your calendar or whatever is your system, right? But figure out where exactly am I spending my time and does my time align with what I actually have as my values? And if it doesn't, go fix it. 
right? If, for example, for me, one of my values is my faith um, and my personal relationship with God. And so for me, I have purposely built habits and um, a structure to my day where I get up about an hour before my girls in the morning where I can just read, where I can just do my own thing. I can have time for prayer. I can have time for scripture study. I can time for some meditation. Um, if I get up even earlier, I go go exercise and things. But it's it's time for me to be alone with God, mm. right? Because for me, that is a priority. Yeah. And although life gets crazy and hectic and I'm not perfect at it, I at least know that that is my priority. And so therefore I try and create that structurally within my day. And it just becomes a natural byproduct that I then give that time to those most important things. Because, you know, this idea of work-life balance, that's not, life is never going to be truly balanced. It's going to be flowing back and forth. But if we can structurally build some things into our days so that we at least give time to those things that are most important, then great. Yeah. You're, you you might not have perfect balance, but you're at least giving time to the things that actually matter. Yeah. Um, so that would be what I would probably yeah. suggest. Yeah. Which, which, which means we, we have to be intentional, right. About exactly about, about, about some of these things. Um, you know, the, the, their life for, for some of us sometimes becomes automatic, you know, you, you wake up and, or you sleep and you assume you're going to wake up. Right. Uh, but then we know there are many who go to sleep who don't wake up. So for me, it's, it's, it's that, it's that, um, gratitude, right. Just, just yeah. being thankful that, that, that you made the wake up list as a, a pastor friend likes to put it, who's, who's on the wake I up like list who's glad. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and thankful for some of the basic things. We, we, we just need to look around Rob at, at the world today to realize that, we're we're blessed. I mean, we can argue all we want that we, we live, you know, in a in a great nation where, where there's freedom, where there's democracy and 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 all that, which is great. But it could be it could be either of us. It could be either of us in, in Afghanistan right now, people who've worked so hard for the past however many years, leaving yeah. their homes behind, leaving to the point rather right? things that the things that they've worked so hard, the material things, the cars, the homes, leaving all that behind because they're, they're fearful of life. So all that comes into perspective when, when reality hits, right? So what then becomes the true reality, true, true priority, because the things that we believe are, 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 are priorities aren't truly it. I mean, look, look at the flooding, for instance, look at homes that have been destroyed through hurricanes and all of that cars that have been, and these are things that I'm sure people prided themselves in, right? This is my car, this is my home. And then within one split second, life happens boom look at haiti look at what they're experiencing right now right and a friend of mine jokingly says haiti can't just seem to catch a breath right every other day or or year there's something happening so it it puts things into perspective and going back to how you you put it rather rather beautifully you know what truly matters like do do that audit um of yourself and and then peel back that onion a little bit until you you figure out exactly um what matters and for a lot of us, we'll be shocked to realize that the things that we pride ourselves in aren't things that truly matter um, in, 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 the, yep. in the grand scheme of things. So I'll ask, and I'm sure you probably would ask uh, this a countless number of times, what then or how then would you define uh, success? Success according to Rob's, <laughs> yeah. Rob's definition. <laughs> wow. That, I actually have not been asked that question. So I'm kind of going to be thinking here a little bit on the fly. But for me, success can mean a, a couple of different things. 
Um, I think first and foremost, to even be able to define success for yourself, you have to know what's actually most important in your life. So the, in my opinion, the way I define success might be different than the way you, Fred, define success and the way your listeners might define success. But each of us needs to do the work to figure out what does success mean yeah. to them, right? So I can share with you how I define success for me, but I don't know if that's necessarily the same for everyone else. Um, I think first and for me personally, like I've already shared, my faith is number one, followed closely by my family, and third is my health. So for me, if I get to the end of the road, success is, to borrow a biblical phrase, is that, you know, meeting the Lord on the other side and hearing the phrase, well done, thou good and faithful mm -hmm. servant. To me, that is success. No matter how many times I screw up along the way, how jagged and sideways sometimes the path might be, if I can be a good and faithful servant to the end of the day, I have been successful. No matter the amount in my bank account, no matter the impact that I actually make, that to me is success. Um, but success in each sphere is a little different, right? And for each person is a little different. I'd say for my family, for me, success is them knowing that I love them. And not just because I've told them, but because I spend time with them, because I purposely do things to show my love to them. And my family can mean my immediate family. It can mean the Cook family. It can mean those friends who I consider my family. Um, so when you say, what does success mean? To me, success, it all depends on the sphere in which we're yeah. looking at. But success okay. with failure in those most important, whatever way you define success, with failure in those other areas that are actually meaningful would be meaningless, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. You, you, you talk a lot about legacy, right? Or, or, or leaving a, a legacy. Um, what does it mean to leave a, a legacy? I know we've been talking about some of these things early on, but. Um, I generally define it as a life worth living. Uh, but I think to kind of teach the principle of legacy, I love to actually talk about the movie Coco. Have you ever seen the Disney yes, movie Coco? I have, I have. Okay, so for listeners who may not have seen Coco, Coco is this beautiful cartoon movie um, that tells the story of a little family in Mexico as they celebrate the Day of the Dead. And in the course of the movie, you learn um, this boy winds up having this experience where he kind of goes to the other side and he visits with a bunch of his ancestors and has this moving experience where he learns some great lessons and then comes back. Well, in the course of that, he learns about something called the second death that, in, that the characters teach him about in the course of the movie. And in the movie, the second death is when the person on the other side who has already passed on is forgotten by the people on this side. Because you die your first death here and go to the other side, but then you die again and effectively disappear when the people here have forgotten you. And that is your legacy. How long till your second death? That is your legacy. Can it be measured? In dollars? No. But could it be measured in memories, in experiences, in lessons, in lives changed? You bet. So for me, once again, money is a tool to enable your legacy. If your legacy is to give back, like Andrew Carnegie and, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, who had a competition giving away 
their wealth for the rest of their lives that now continues to outlive them, that's great. That's one version of legacy. My grandfather's legacy is one that's probably only going to impact our family and the few hundred people that he impacted here in our community. And that, but that's okay too. That was his legacy. That was what, that was his choice. The point is to be purposeful, to actually create a real legacy, to have something that goes beyond this life that outlives you and continues to impact and bless the lives of those who you came in contact with while you were here. That's a powerful thing. And I'm sure next time my kids watch Coco, they'll be watching it with, uh, with, a, with a different mindset. <laughs> I'll probably do it too, because uh, that's, that's a great illustration. Rob, so how would you like to be remembered if you're no longer here? I have thought about that question a lot. And the way that I can, the best way to describe how I hope my legacy turns out is by describing feelings that I hope that I leave with people uh, and memories that I hope I leave. So like, for example, with my little girl, I hope that the legacy that I leave with my little girl is one where she always knew that her dad loved her, mm. that her dad was always looking out for her, that her dad always was rooting her on. And even if I'm not here, I'm going to keep rooting her on and I'll still be here. Um, I want to leave a legacy of, as someone who looked out for the little guy, mm. who was willing to take the punches for other people who couldn't, and who was willing to get in the fight, even when it was dirty. I know it's quite somber uh, to be talking about legacy, but I think it's important because once upon a time, we're all going to be, or people are going to have to remember us uh, one way or the other. And I think it's in the little things that we do every day um, that ends up creating um, that legacy. Uh, so thanks for, for, for sharing that. How would you respond to the statement that money makes the world go around? I'd say, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> you would be, in my opinion, you're failing to recognize reality. Of course it does. Money is a medium of exchange. Duh. Um, but it is not the end all be all. That's right. It might make the world go round, but that's not why the world goes round. Mm. Right. Um, it is a tool and you can either use the tool or be used by the tool. That is your choice. You can let it govern your life or you can go learn to govern it. I choose to govern it. And. I strive to help my clients and to help people that I interact with do the same because I think if you're a slave to your money, what kind of life is that? Yeah. How, how then Rob, do we know when it's enough, when enough is enough. And I, and I, I say this because there's often that, again, I think it goes back to the question I'd asked earlier about knowing how to temper that because it's, well, want more, right? You, you start here, you want to get promoted, you want to make more, you want to end up making that bonus. And there's that constant desire um, to always want to make that extra dollar, right? Um, mm -hmm. One time you want to make 20,000, you make 20, and like, oh gosh, yeah, I want more, you may want to make 40, and then, oh God, maybe I want to make 60. And then there is this, and then it ends up becoming this vortex or this, this endless spiral that we we, we I'll admit I'm guilty of it too. Okay. We all are. Yes. Right. We're all human. Real. We all are. Right. But it's, it's, how do we know when enough is enough? 
Um, I had two thoughts that came right to my, my mind as soon as you asked the question. Um, the first one is how much do you actually enjoy the incremental dollar? Do you enjoy the, the dollar that you're chasing after or do you enjoy the journey Ooh. of chasing after the dollar? Because those are two very different things, right? Um, I think sitting down and actually maybe writing out and journaling, okay, how do, imagine you have, let's say your, your goal is 100,000. You have $100,000. How do you feel? What's going on in your life? You know, what's different about you? What's the same about you? Because probably a lot of you is exactly the same as it is right now. You're probably still going to have trials. You're still going to have challenges. Life is still going to hit you in the face sometimes. You're going to have good days and bad days. They just might be a little different than they are now, but what would it look like? All right, and then imagine your life when you're making a million, okay, or, you know, 200,000 or 150 or whatever your number is, right? How much different is your life? Do you actually need that? Or is that just because you've kind of gotten addicted to the hustle? You've gotten addicted to the, the chasing the dream? Or do you just enjoy going for big goals? Great, okay. Then just focus on the journey and less on reaching the goal. Uh, which I know is so much easier said than done coming from the type A personality. Okay. But that was my first thought is how much more joy do you actually get out of getting there? Right. Um, and the second one was actually very closely linked to, and I think I kind of touched on it as I'm explaining this idea of enjoyment is like the, the idea of fulfillment. Like what's actually going to fulfill you is getting the hundred thousand going to actually fulfill you or is it doing the thing that you imagine you can suddenly do with the hundred thousand actually going to be fulfilling. Right. So like, for example, uh, maybe someone says, well, my goal is to have a million dollars one day because then I can buy a cabin. Right. Well, do you need a million dollars to actually get the cabin? If the, if the cabin is the actual goal, not the million dollars, but you make the million dollars, the goal, because you want the cabin focus on the actual cabin, right? It, say the cabin, you can get it for 200,000 or, or 300,000 or whatever it is. Right. Okay, well, that's very different than a million. Focus on the cabin instead. Go get the cabin. Maybe you don't even have to get that. Maybe you could find another way, and maybe you don't need a large cabin. Maybe you need a, you just want a small one, or you just you want a little. You want to uh, go Ralph Waldo Emerson style and just have your your little hut by the pond, you know, type of thing. Um, I think that's Ralph Waldo Emerson. Either way, you get what I'm going for here, right? Um, the point is. What is it that's actually going to fulfill you? Is it the money or is it something else that the money can actually, that you, in your mind, the money will give you? And instead of using the money as the route to get there, how do you get there faster? Or what is the actual dollar amount? Because too many people, I think, think you have to have X to do Y, mm -hmm. when in all reality, you just need Z to be able to do Y. And you can go a totally different route and get there perhaps yeah. a lot faster. Yeah. And how does one go from contender to champion? Oh, man, that's a great question. <laughs> that's effectively the purpose of my show, right? Contenders wanted. It's all about there you go. incredible success without sacrificing what's most important and go from contender to champion. Um, once again, this kind of goes back. Everybody's path is a little bit different, right? Um, I think at the end of the day, there's some consistent themes. I think we go from contender to champion as we do the work to figure out what is our path, as we do the work to figure out what is actually important, and as we align our life such that we start working towards those things that actually matter. Um, and so then the champion becomes hitting those mile, those milestones in your life, right? Just like Rocky and Rocky II beats Apollo Creed, right? He's the champion, but then he's got title matches where he's got to get to defend his title and he continues on for another, you know, four movies. <laughs> um, it's similar in our lives, right? 
we reach these milestones where we feel like we've quote unquote made it to see another peak, another valley, another opportunity. And we continue on and it's this virtuous cycle, hopefully virtuous, where we are continually refining what's most important, continually building, creating a life worth living, creating that legacy and going after those big dreams and goals for our lives and hopefully um, finding the tools along the way to be able to make it possible, make it happen. So in my opinion, that's what it means to go from contender to champion and how to do it. You do it by aligning your life, getting everything in proper order, and then using the tools at your disposal, the team, people around you, to then have incredible success in whatever it is that sphere that you're aiming towards. What a powerful way to to end this one. And I want to share again the quote in the beginning, uh, carve your name on hearts, not on tombstones. The legacy is etched into the minds of others, into the stories they share about you. Shannon Alder. Rob Cook, thanks so much for coming on the Time with Fred podcast and sharing with us um, and having this really fruitful, important discussion about what true legacy means and the things that truly matter in life. Uh, Thanks again for sharing your insights and to your audience for tuning in. And until next time, stay well.